Well, welcome to uh, snowy Las Cruces. School has been canceled for the rest of the year. We just, uh, <laughs> that was too much snow at one time for us. We can't handle it. We gotta, we gotta cancel school. If you're in school, uh, you're gonna be sad to know that that was a joke. Um, so good to be with you guys here today. My name is Joe Andrews. I'm the campus pastor here. Uh, David is going to be back preaching next week, uh, so we're excited about that. But this week, you got me, um, so I got to apologize for that, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm always excited to bring the Word of God to you. Uh, and to start this out, I'm going to take us back to 2020. Yeah, that's, uh, that wasn't fun. Uh, 2020 was particularly hard for uh, my family. I know, I know it was hard for the whole world. I know so many people lost so many people uh, during that time. My, my, me and my family, we lost four uh, family members that year. It was rough. None of them to COVID, randomly. First uh, was Everett, my father-in-law. He passed away on Good Friday. Uh, we were with him, which was really cool, hard, but good. It was hard to be there holding your wife's hand as her father leaves her life. It was pretty rough. It's hard to watch my sister-in-law go through that, hard to watch my mother-in-law go through that as well. Uh, then fast forward a little bit, it's July. Uh, I get a call on a camping trip. We're in, actually in the Gila, having a great time, so beautiful, such a beautiful day. I get a call uh, from my sister, and my sister tells me that my brother just passed away. It was, this was in July. Uh, that one hit hard, hit his family so hard, obviously. Hit me really hard. I hadn't really lost anybody in my family since uh, for about 22 years. Uh, it was back in high school when I lost my grandmother. So I had gone 22 years just enjoying life and really forgetting about death. Uh, but it, it touches us all at some point or another. Uh, so Jeff had passed away. I get that call. Then, uh, gosh, not, not long later, maybe a month or two, uh, I get a call from my uncle. It says, my, my cousin passed away now, Mikey. Uh, Mike and I used to play when we were little kids. Uh, it's crazy to hear that. So it was just another blow. And I remember just talking to my wife and I say, I don't, I don't know how much more we can take. It's getting hard. On uh, Epic Sunday, which is one of our favorite events here at the church, it's a church-wide picnic. We all go out on the lawn. We have Rudy's for everybody. Uh, we do baptisms out there. It's awesome. Uh, we finish with Epic Sunday. I go home at night. We're just about to climb into bed, and I get a call from my mom's roommate. And she says, your mom died. You need to get over here. And so I get in the car. I drive to, uh, off of Telshore is where she lived. And uh, I get there, and there's still police there. Everybody wants to make sure there's nothing, no foul play going on or anything. So they don't let me ride in, uh, but I, I do get in finally, maybe after about a half hour. Uh, I walk in. This time, my wife is holding my hand. I walk into the room. My mom is there on the bed, and I just, I just break down. And I tell her I'm sorry that I wasn't there when she passed. 2020 was rough for all of us. It was rough for me. I often wonder, how did I get through all that? How did, how did my wife get through all of that? How did my kids get through all that? How did my brother's family 
get through all of that? My in-laws, how, how did we all get through all of that? And the, the answer is hope. We have hope. It's the reason that I'm standing today, I promise you. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ and the hope that he gives me, I wouldn't be standing here now. I'd be curled up in the fetal position on my living room floor, watching reruns of MASH. I don't know what I would be doing. When I was called into ministry, I didn't know that all of this was going to happen. I didn't know that people were going to look to me to perform people's funerals. Did you know I did all four of those funerals in three months? We had to wait because it was COVID. We had to wait to bury my father-in-law uh, till August. And then August, uh, September, and October, I buried all four of those people. I did the funerals for all of them. It was hard. It was so hard. I think, uh, you, you know, when I was playing with my brother and when I was doing things with all of these other people, you never think, at some point, I'm going to have to deal with, with your life coming to an end. That's not really a, a thing that we think about, but it's, it's a real thing. All of us have to think about that at some point. So I was reading a passage about maybe about a month ago, and I was just reading through the book of 1 Corinthians, and I get to chapter 1 Corinthians, I get to 1 Corinthians 15. And I, I'm reading through chapter 15, and I was like, this is it. This is why I have hope. 1 Corinthians 15, this is the reason. And then I began to think about you. And all of the people that you have lost, all the people in your life that meant so much to you, sons, daughters, moms, dads, grandparents, children, death hits all of us hard sometimes. Thank goodness it's not all the time. But as I was reading it and I was thinking of you, I wondered, do you have the same hope that I have? And maybe to a certain extent, yes, but do you know all of 1 Corinthians 15? Because there's so much hope there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to talk about the next resurrection, because this is where your hope lies. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul has, has actually wrote several letters to the Corinthians. We have two of them, uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians both. He, he wrote these to this church that, that just had so many issues. He had to deal with, with personal relationships. He had to deal uh, with larger things. He had to deal with their theology. He had to deal with so many things that they were going through, and his letters never come across as like super friendly. It's like, you're doing everything wrong. You guys need to fix this. Well, he saves the best for last. By best, I, I really mean worse, because uh, what they got wrong in first. Corinthians chapter 15 is, really means everything. If you get this wrong, you really have nothing right. This potential problem could ruin the Corinthian church like 100%. It could destroy people's faith. It could pit person against person. The thing that he deals with in 1 Corinthians 15 is a deal breaker. And so he makes sure to save it for last so that it sticks in their minds. The problem that some people had in the Corinthian church was that they didn't believe, some of them didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Some of them didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so that is what Paul is going to address. 
I don't know if you're kind of like me, but you get all your buddies together, maybe it's to watch a game or something like that, and you inevitably start talking about the resurrection. And when you're talking about the resurrection, <laughs> I, must, I might be in a different circle. <laughs> when you are talking about resurrection, the, the conversation inevitably goes, like almost every time, it goes back to Jesus and his resurrection, right? And rightfully so. I mean, his resurrection is the best. I mean, his resurrection gives us salvation. His resurrection conquered the penalty for our sin. It gives us the forgiveness of sins. His resurrection is absolutely amazing. It was unexpected. It's what gave the the disciples the ability to go out into the world and preach Jesus. And because of the resurrection, you actually have faith here today. So Paul is going to deal with this resurrection, this issue. If you don't think there's a resurrection of the dead, you're in big trouble, Corinthians. So he starts out 1 Corinthians 15, and he goes back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he, he says this, this resurrection uh, is, is amazing, all right? He says Christ, Jesus, all right? died for our sins just like the scripture said that he would. And he was buried and he rose on the third day just like the scriptures said he would. And then to put it, give it even more historical context, Paul says, did you know he even revealed himself, he appeared to Peter. All right, not only did he appear to Peter, but he appeared to the other disciples as well. And then after that, he appeared to 500 people. And then after that, if that's not enough, and some of those people are still alive, Paul says, go check it out, Corinthians, if you want, you can go, because some of them are still alive. Then he appears to his brother, James. And then lastly, he appears to Paul, who's writing this letter to the Corinthians. And Paul wants to remind them, look, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, there's big problems with everything that you're thinking. So when we're thinking about the resurrection, what if the resurrection of Jesus, as great as it is, what if there's more? What if there's more than you think about the resurrection? What if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is even better than you've been taught before? What if it's more amazing than you could ever believe? And you know what? It is. Because Jesus' resurrection is God's promise of the next resurrection. Oh, this is where it gets good. Let me, let me repeat that in case you didn't catch it. The resurrection of Jesus that happened 2,000 years ago is a promise by God to you that you will one day resurrect. That's a huge promise. And just when it thinks like a little hard to, it might be a little hard to believe that all of us in the future are going to be resurrected. All you have to do is look backward. It already happened once. And when it happened that once, it was God's promise to you and me that it's going to happen again. So let's look at this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We're not going to get to the whole thing. It would take us hours. So we're going to kind of jump around in the chapter, but we're going to start off in chapter 12. What you guys need to see is that Paul tells the Corinthians that their ideas have consequences. All right, Corinthians, some of you are believing that there's no resurrection of the dead. 
Let's take that to its logical conclusion. Let's go to verse 12 now. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, don't forget, Paul is the one claiming this, right? He saw the resurrected Jesus after he had died, after he had been resurrected, obviously. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, his thinking is, is really simple here. If Jesus resurrected from the dead, then obviously there is a resurrection from the dead because he did it, all right? So when you think about the Corinthians, it's not that they were getting that wrong. They were believers. They loved Jesus just like you and me. They loved the resurrection of Jesus. They knew about it. They believed it, all of them. Some of them didn't, some of them didn't not believe, okay? All of them believed in the resurrection of Jesus, but they thought, hey, that's the end. One resurrects, boom. Nothing else is connected. And Paul says, no, 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 I'm not talking just about Jesus' resurrection. I'm also talking about the next resurrection. Now, the next resurrection is usually called the general resurrection, all right? We have Jesus' resurrection that happened for us 2,000 years ago, all right? And then we have a resurrection pending. We have the next resurrection that's coming, and that resurrection is the resurrection of all of us, the general resurrection. It's that resurrection that they didn't know about, or some of them didn't believe. So there was some arguing probably in the church. Yeah, I think we're all going to resurrect one day. I don't, I don't think so. So Paul is like, okay, l- let's just go hypothetical with what you're, th- what, what you're saying. If you say there's no resurrection of the dead, let's look at all of the implications that that has. You guys ever go hypothetical on some people sometimes? Bet you do. I do. A lot of people call it daydreaming, all right? I don't. I call it being hypothetical because it sounds more scholarly. I'm going to be hypothetical with you guys for a second, all right? Just like Paul. Let's just take some things that I think to their logical conclusions. Like, sometimes I just sit and wonder. I'm like, what? man, what, if, what would it be like if I was David Burroughs? What would it be like? If I was the pastor at FBC, man, I'll tell you what, I would show my campus pastor so much love, man. I would tell him every day how much I loved him. I'd give him a hug every time I saw him, maybe even a raise every time I saw him. I just, what the heck, he's a great guy. I would probably, I'd probably say thank you and farewell to the Dallas Cowboys. It was, uh, it was nice being a fan for a while, but it hasn't been for a longer while, and uh, I'm going to find another team. I'll join the bandwagon, get with the 49ers or the Chiefs. I don't know. If I was David Burroughs, I'd be a Swifty, so I'd just go with the Chiefs. <clears throat> I think what it would be like if I, was, if I was Brian Clayberg, the worship pastor. Man, I would love the campus pastor, too. I, I, every time I saw him, I'd probably give him a hug. I'd probably knock on his door every now and then. I'd be like, hey, man, uh, you have really good hair. Can you help me with mine? Do you have any tips? <laughs> I, I think not often, but what if I was the life pastor, Michael Randall, or the student pastor, Stephen? You know, I'd probably start every single morning knocking on the campus pastor's door, just tell him how much I appreciated him. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. I, do, do you need anything? I can go, I can get you anything. You need a cup of water? You need a coffee? Want a mimosa? Uh, 
I'm just kidding. I don't even know what a mimosa is. I don't like champagne or orange juice. If I was, uh, if I was James, our guy at the soundboard back there, I would have muted my mic. Because <laughs> I wouldn't want to see the campus pastor killed and left for dead in the snowy desert. Paul's about to go hypothetical. He's like, all right, if, if you think you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, here's everything that that means. So let's go to verse 13. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, he's going to give us five things. There's actually more. If you're reading through the whole chapter, there's more. But these are the five we're going to look at today. If there's no resurrection of the dead, according to some of you Corinthians, then one, not even Jesus Christ has been raised for the dead. If you don't think that would shut you up as a Corinthian, you'd probably, you'd, I don't know. I mean, you'd just be like, okay, we're good. You don't need to go any further. We believe, we believe. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You know what futile means? Pointless, meaningless, based in nothing, stupid. It's actually in the Greek, it's in the emphatic position, which means stupid is your faith if there is no resurrection of the dead because Jesus Christ hasn't even been raised from the dead. Three, you're still in your sins. Well, wait, hold on. I, think, I thought Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Absolutely. But if he didn't re- resurrect from the dead, it doesn't matter. You are still in your sins, Corinthians, if you think there's no resurrection of the dead. Then, also, Everyone who's fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now, fallen asleep is, is Paul's way, nice way of saying uh, they've died, okay? So, but what he's not saying is, then those who have also died in Christ have died, okay? That's not what he's saying. That word perished is a different word. It's the word destroyed, okay? Those who have died in Christ, if there is no resurrection of the dead, are destroyed. There's nothing left for them, Nothing. If there's no resurrection of the dead, the dead in Christ stay dead. Nothing else ever happens. They're destroyed. Then we get to the fifth thing. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says, listen, if if you believing in Christ just helps you for the here and now, (laughs) and there's no resurrection of the dead, Who cares? It doesn't matter. People should look at you and they should feel sorry for you, Corinthians, if there's no resurrection of the dead. So Corinthians, listen, you need to believe that there is a resurrection of the dead. It's what everything else is based on. Next thing that that Paul gets to that I want to highlight in this chapter is that Jesus's was first, which means there's a next. Jesus's resurrection was first. Well, if we say anything about a first, then we know that something has to follow it. And that's exactly what Paul tells the Corinthian church. Let's look at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised for the dead. Paul knows. He's like, all right, enough enough with the playing. Enough with like dabbling in what's not real. Let's get back to reality. But in fact, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Now listen to what he says here. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That word first fruits takes us all the way back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, someone would have an entire harvest that they that they needed to harvest. Whatever it was, maybe it was grain. And they would harvest a portion of that first, and they would set it aside. They would offer it to the Lord as like a burnt offering, a sacrifice to him, saying, thank you, and the rest of the harvest is on its way. 
When Paul says here that Jesus is the first fruits, same thing. He's the first and a great harvest is to follow. Jesus is going to be the first and then a whole bunch of us are going to be next. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Wow, this is, this is a deep passage, okay? Here, here's what he's saying. Just how sin entered the human race through one man, Adam, through his sin, through his disobedience, we have all been born into sin. And then we have all sinned and actualized our sin. We are all separated from God because of one man. And in him, we all get death. But did you hear that second part? There's another man. And by him, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection, we all will be made alive, each and every one of us. By one man came sin. By one man, all are made alive. So I guess one of the questions that we have is, all right, pastor, when's this happening? When does this resurrection happen? This is what we're all wondering, right? This is like, come on, preacher, tell us about the end times. Let's go. Here it is. We can't get much more specific than this. This is about as specific as you can get. But in each, his own order. Christ first, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So when does all this happen? When Jesus Christ returns. That's when it happens. The moment, the second, that instant when Jesus comes back, that's when everything changes. That's when all of the dead, now here it says the dead in Christ will rise, but all the dead will rise at that moment. And if I could pinpoint for you a date, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I can anyway. So what happens at the next resurrection. What is it that actually happens at that resurrection? Now we know the when, we know a little more about it, we know that we need to believe it because if we don't, a lot of things are true in our life that we don't want to be true in our life. So, so what is it that actually happens then at the resurrection? Let's go to verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And then I don't know why Paul does it, but he just goes Mr. T on him. You foolish person, I pity the fool that asked that question. I don't know why in the world he gets so angry at a question that he posited, uh, but he does. But he, he says, well, you're going to come back, you're going to come back as a human. You're not going to come back with another kind of body. It's still going to be a human body. Uh, what you plant, though, does not come to life unless it dies. Now, I'm going to give you a horticulture lesson. I shouldn't. My dad's a horticulturalist. Uh, I am not. Um, but I'm going to try and mess this up for you so you guys can understand. As you have a crop, let's just say some kind of a grain, uh, that crop grows, and that wheat, that whole plant actually just dies. And then you're left with the head of the wheat. You harvest the heads of the wheat. Uh, you trample out everything so that you can get the little husk off of the grain. And then with that grain, you could, you could make something with it, or you can save that grain and you can plant it for next year. And he says, what you sow, though, is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps, of wheat or some other grain. And so I, I just love this. God knew beforehand a great 
way to explain resurrection to my people is going to be something that started so, so long ago, the planting and the harvesting of crops. And so he takes something that we've all done. I mean, if, if it was maybe the last time was in kindergarten for some of us, but we got those little pinto beans, we put them in the little thing with some, with some paper towels, some water, and we watched it grow, right? We saw this dead bean come to life. We saw what we sowed was really different than what came out of what we sowed. Well, what we sow when we die, when we put our bodies in the ground, it's not the body that is to be that we're putting in the ground, but it's a kernel, perhaps a wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed, its own body. So do you see what Paul is trying to say? The resurrection is coming. It's, it's going to be a little different than you're thinking, but the body that you sow is not the body that's going to come up. The body that will be raised is a little different. How is it, how is it different? Well, if you read this whole chapter, you'll see that Paul talks about how the natural body is put in the ground and the spiritual body rises. Now, I didn't say the spirit rises. I said a spiritual body rises. Now, I wish I could tell you exactly what that means. All, here's what I know it means. A physical body rises, but it's different from the other. It's an immortal body. You sowed a mortal body when you're raised at the last day. It will be an immortal body that you will get. It's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. What I want to do is look at verse 51 now. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So he's saying when Jesus comes back, not all of us are going to be dead, but those of, some of us will be. All right? But when he comes back, we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. And now the last verse. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised. Listen, imperishable. We're perishable right now. We're destroyable. It's going to resurrect undestroyable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Why do I have faith? Why do I have hope? After going through a 2020 like I went through, why do I still have hope? Right there. It's all in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus loves me so much. God loves me so much that he decided to give me a promise through the resurrection of his son that I would one day be resurrected, that Everett would be resurrected, that Jeff would be resurrected, that Susan, my mom, and Mikey, my cousin, would be resurrected. That's why I have hope. So who is it that resurrects? Is it just those that know Jesus? No, we will be resurrected. All people will be resurrected in the relationship that they have with Christ at the time that they die. All right, so if you've placed your faith in Christ and you die with faith in Christ, you are raised with faith in Christ and you are raised to an eternity with him. If not, you are raised in rejection of Christ, just how you rejected Jesus every day of your life and you wanted nothing to do with him, that's how you will be raised. And you will be raised for a judgment and you will be separated from God for eternity. Well, I thought this was a message of hope. Well, it is a message of hope. But we who know Christ have a lot more hope than those who don't. Here's my hope for those who don't. I know that I can trust them with a loving, just, kind God. 
who will take into account more things than I could ever take into account, who loves those people more than I could ever love them. And he's going to look at every detail. And he, being a just God, will make the just and the right decision for what happens to everyone. What about people that are cremated? That's one of the questions I get a lot. What if somebody dies, but we don't sow them in the ground? We don't put them in the ground. What happens? Well, those people can be raised just the same. Don't forget you have an all-powerful God. You think cremation stops him? He's like, I can do anything. Unless you cremate somebody, please don't do that. I couldn't resurrect that. That would be impossible. No, that's not God, right? He can do anything. Cremation is not his weak point, all right? The, the way that people have died over the years is crazy. People have been vaporized in war. They've been exploded. They've been eaten by animals, many animals, and they go all their different directions. God can resurrect all of them. No problem. Not gonna be a big deal for him. So why does this give us hope? Well, it gives us hope because we have a promise for, from God. Since it happened once, it's gonna happen again and on a bigger scale. That's why we have hope. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know how you've been wounded by death. I don't know if some of you are just so beat down by it all right now that you just don't want to go on. I've been there. But you don't have to be. You have hope. You have a promise from God that you'll be resurrected and so will your loved ones. You'll get to be with them in eternity. That's a blessing. That's why we have hope. Maybe you're wondering, I don't even know if I'm in Christ. If, I, if, I, if the resurrection comes, I want to spend eternity with him. Well, then you need to give your life to him, and you need to do it now. It's urgent. You need to put your faith in him now so that on that day you will resurrect and be with him in eternity. If you don't, you won't. If you don't want him, he's not going to force you to be with him for eternity. Maybe you just need prayer from one of us that'll be up here in a moment. If you need prayer, you can come and pray with one of us. Maybe it's just about something random. Maybe it has to do with this. Maybe you just need some help moving forward. Maybe you just need to feel that hope and see that hope fresh in your life again. Maybe you want to join a church that preaches Christ resurrected. And not only that, it gets better. You preach your resurrection too. Whatever it is that the Lord is leading you to do, why don't you decide to do that during this invitation song? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so very much for your word. We thank you for your appearance to Paul. Wow. We can't wait to see you. God, I pray that uh, you would help all of us through all the death that we have to face in our lives and everything else that is thrown at us. I pray that we would see your resurrection and have hope for our own. And I pray, God, that we're able to continue living as long as you give us breath. That we will worship you. We will follow you and you will help us get others to you. Because you're the only thing that matters. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.